Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Hey, I want you to think back about that favorite meal that you've ever had. Think about just picture in your mind for a second, like the best meal that you've ever had in your life. And then I want you to think about where that meal was. Maybe you went to a fancy restaurant that was really expensive. Maybe it was just a picnic by the lake. Think about the people that were around you during that meal. Maybe you had a whole huge gathering. Maybe it was just you and your sweetheart. Maybe it was you and your family. And now I want you to think about the food that you ate. And my guess is the food was important. This is what makes it one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable meal. But perhaps it wasn't just the food. Maybe it was the environment. Maybe it was the people that you're with. Well, now I want you to think about, for most of us in the United States, Perhaps it was Thursday when you had family and friends gathered around and you were able to celebrate a meal together. And I'm not exactly sure why we do this in the United States, why we say thank you to God by stuffing ourselves to the point of almost being ready to burst. Maybe this goes back to a grandma who always told you that she loved you by making a whole bunch of food and wouldn't let you leave without stuffing your belly. Perhaps it was just a brilliant marketing plan. Whatever it was, I want you to think about the best meal that you've ever had. And then I want you to picture this. You got the meal in mind? Now I want you to go forward about six or eight hours. Are you hungry again? Check this out. We human beings, we can have the greatest, most satisfying meal in the world. And if you go just a few hours forward, in my case, just an hour or two, maybe three at the most forward, I'm hungry again. I just had the most satisfying, the most, in, uh, the most elaborate meal in the world, and I'm already hungry again just a couple of hours later. That's how God created the human body to need food to survive. I'm using food and hunger because we all made a big deal about food in our country a couple of days ago to set up what you're going to hear from the Bible today. We're going to go to the book of John. If you're new to our church and you're just joining us for the first time, we're just studying verse by verse through the Bible book of John. And we're in John chapter 7. And here's what you're going to hear from the Bible today. You and I have a hunger. We have this innate thirst for more. That hunger is not a bad thing. It's actually a quite good thing. But your thirst for more blank can only be satisfied in Jesus. Now, I didn't fill the blank in. If you look in that mobile app, if you're following along in with us today, I didn't fill the blank in on purpose. Because right now, whatever your greatest desire is, maybe it's respect, maybe it's relationships, maybe you're trying to buy a thing or you're hoping for a position or a grade point average. It doesn't matter what you put in that blank. Whatever you're most thirsty for, whatever you hunger and long for the most, the deepest desires of your soul can only be satisfied by Jesus. We're going to study what Francis Chan calls the forgotten God today. In fact, Jesus is going to introduce us to God the Holy Spirit. 
And if you were to listen to people's language, you'll often hear them talk about God the Father. Whether they believe in him or not, many people are going to use God in their everyday vocabulary. If you watch the movies or the television, God's name shows up a lot. It's just usually shown up in vain, which is a sin. It's one of the Ten Commandments. People will even mention Jesus frequently in conversation. Maybe they believe in him. Maybe they don't believe that there was a guy by the name of Jesus who came out of Nazareth many years ago. But rarely do you hear people use Holy Spirit language in their vocabulary. Unfortunately, we don't even hear Christians use this kind of language nearly as much as we talk about God or about his son Jesus. Well, today Jesus is going to introduce us to the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does. And what Jesus is going to show us is that that greatest thirst that you have inside can only be satisfied by Jesus' spirit. Now, let me introduce you to John chapter 7 and the background when Jesus stands up and announces, you can see it on the screens, only the Holy Spirit can really satisfy you at your deepest level. Let me remind you, if you've been following along with us a couple of weeks ago, Jesus' brothers showed up and they said, Jesus, I think you want to become a big shot. If you're going to be a big shot, you got to go to the big city because that's where the big crowds are. Jesus said, I don't listen to you guys. I don't listen to other people. I listen to my Father in heaven. But last week, Jesus decided, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to this huge festival because it has immense spiritual significance. It's called the Festival of Tents or the Festival of Booths where people will literally take twigs and sticks and build a tent on their roof and sleep in the tent. The final day of the festival was the biggest day by far. It was one of the biggest spiritual holidays in ancient Israel. It was considered the ceremony of water. And in the ceremony of water, the priest would gather water out of the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem. They would gather it in golden vessels, and then they would kind of parade the water through the streets. So this was a really big deal. And they would gather Israel around as they poured the water out in front of Israel and reminded Israel that God did a miracle for their descendants way back in the desert when they were leaving Egypt and going into the promised land. The people were thirsty, and they were almost at the point of death. And they were so thirsty, they were ready to kill Moses for it. And Moses prayed, and God said, Moses, I tell you what I want you to do. You take your staff, and you strike that rock in the middle of the desert. And I'm going to make water pour out of that rock. And it will be enough water that it will quench the thirst of everybody in Israel. Not just the people. It's so much water that it will even quench the animals' thirst. So when they did this ceremony of water... The priest would pour this water out in front of all of Israel, and he would say, hey, can I remind you all of what God did for our descendants? Way back in the desert when Moses struck the rock, and God did a miracle and made water flow out of solid rock. Well, this is a reminder to us. That's the backdrop. You guys got this image in your mind? Now picture all of this is going on. And then imagine Jesus jumps up on a platform, and he starts to speak to the crowd at this very moment in this significant event in the festival. This is where we pick up John chapter 7, starting in verse 37. Picture 
the crowd in your mind when Jesus stands up and does this. At the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And the one who believes in me As the scriptures has said, he will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit, and those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit. If you have a Bible and you're in the habit of circling or underlining, you need to circle, underline, and put three exclamation marks next to that phrase, receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is a massive spiritual holiday in Old Testament Israel. And Jesus doesn't waste this moment. He said, I'm going to do a miracle bigger than what Moses did when he struck the rock and God made water flow out of solid rock. I'm going to make water flow out of a thirsty soul. But there is a condition here. And the condition is you have to come to me thirsty and longing for more. A couple of weeks ago, I challenged us as a church, look, go to God hungry, and when he satisfies you, get hungry for more, and when he satisfies you with more, go to him asking for more. He's not the kind of father that gets exasperated with you and says, would you just leave me alone and get off my back? He's the kind of father that wants to quench our thirst, that wants to satisfy us. Jesus is going to use this moment to stand up in front of the crowds, and he's going to tell them, If you will come to me, I will fill you up. Literally what Jesus says, please don't miss the significance here, is I am the living water. And by saying I am, he is taking on the name of God and saying I am the living water and I'm going to quench you. Get this. That doesn't come from the outside, which means you can't go to a well, you can't go buy it at a grocery store, because that kind of water is going to leave you thirsty a couple of minutes or a couple of hours later. I'm going to quench you from inside, and you will not get hungry and spiritually thirsty anymore when I quench you from the inside. But you have to come to me thirsty. And I, I want to think about a Christian that I know who's been walking with Jesus for a while. But if they were honest with you right now, they would say, I don't thirst for him at all. In fact, I'm kind of bored. I'm a little bit disappointed by Jesus. And what's happened in their soul, maybe they don't even realize it, is they have substituted a thirst for the living God in the form of his Holy Spirit. And they have instead started to thirst for something that comes from outside. They've started to thirst for possessions. And for a prominent place. Look, y'all, every human being was created with this innate desire for God. They don't even recognize, they don't even have to recognize it. All of us have this thirst for more. This is why people will turn to pills or the bottle. This is why they'll go to addictions. This is why some people will run to perform and to have the respect of the crowd or try to develop somebody's applause because they're hungry for people to pat them on the back and to say, hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, you're a good person. Good job. But then as soon as they get that kind of applause and praise, they're literally looking for more. And Jesus says, I'm ready to fill you up. And here's what I'm going to do. When I'm gone, I'm going to give you my spirit who's going to fill you from the inside 
And so you don't have to go looking outside of you for more when you already have more inside of you. But if you make the fatal mistake of exchanging what's inside of you and starting to look for that outside of you, you're always, always going to be disappointed. So Jesus is telling us, listen, I built you in such a way that you have a desire that only the Holy Spirit can fill. And then I'm going to give you my spirit, and he's going to satisfy that desire. And the way that this starts is when my Holy Spirit comes and he convicts you about King Jesus. If you've been to our church for like 15 minutes, you've heard me use the phrase King Jesus around here. I use that phrase for a very specific reason. Because when I say King Jesus, it puts everyone listening today on the spot. You have to decide, do I, I believe that there really was a guy by the name of Jesus, but do I believe he is my king and I am his subject, which means he calls the shots in my life. I don't call the shots in my life. Listen, look up here for a second. I use the phrase King Jesus for the exact same reason that the crowds are about to have a conversation about whether or not Jesus is the king. And everyone in the crowd recognizes the importance of this question. If I declare him king, everything changes. If I just believe that there was a guy by the name of Jesus that lived a long time ago, that doesn't matter in my life. So every time I use the phrase King Jesus, I want you in our church to hear God is reminding us he sets the rules. He calls the shots. Jesus is in charge, not us. Because listen to what the crowd starts to say. When Jesus jumps up and announces, I am the living water and only I can satisfy you. They're placed in the same situation that you and I are placed in about whether or not Jesus is king. Starting in verse 40. When some of the crowd heard Jesus' words, they said, truly, this is, this truly is the prophet, the prophet. And others said, this is the Messiah. Now, I need to pause for a second because if you're not familiar with that language, the Messiah is the promised son of David, the ruler who will rule over Israel for all of, their, all of the age. Just like David was a great king, Messiah will be a much greater king. When they're saying he is Messiah, they're literally saying he is our king. And so others said, this is the Messiah. This is King Jesus. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Don't the scriptures say that Messiah comes from David's offspring and from the town of Bethlehem where David lived? So the crowd was divided because of him. Some of them wanted to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him. And the Bible has already told us no one lays a hand on him because his hour has not yet come, because he hasn't allowed them to lay a hand on him. When Jesus stands up and preaches, he does not preach an easy, feel-good message. In fact, if you were to read some of the other books in the New Testament, Jesus even says, I didn't come to make life easy. I came to bring a sword and division so that families would be divided and that brothers and sisters would be divided. Husbands and wives would be divided. Mothers and children or fathers and sons would be divided over whether or not I'm king. 
And when you and I go and share Jesus with other people, I'll just tell you honestly, some people are going to get rubbed the wrong way. Because what the gospel says is that every human being is entirely incapable of being good enough to get to heaven on your own. So you have to come totally desperate and completely thirsty to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Desperately, totally need you. And if you don't forgive me, if you don't heal me, I have no hope of heaven. That message is not popular. Because a lot of people like to think, I'm a pretty good dude. I'm a lot better than my neighbor. Surely God is going to let me into heaven because I'm a pretty good dude. And what the gospel says is, you can't be good enough. The Pope, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham can't be good enough. So certainly you ain't good enough to get into heaven on your own. Jesus stands up and he preaches this message. And I need to remind you, in ancient Israel at this moment, if you were to say that Jesus is king, it probably will cost you everything. It might cost you your life. And people in the crowd recognize, "Uh uh-oh, I think this guy really may be the one. Because we've been listening to his message, and nobody preaches like this rabbi does. We've watched his miracles, and I've seen miracles that are so spectacular, nobody can repeat those miracles. So surely there's not going to be some other dude later who can do more than what I'm watching right now with my very eyes. And now the crowd is placed on the same dilemma that you and I are placed on every time you hear the phrase King Jesus. Is he really king or not? Because if he's king, that means he's in charge That means he rules and he decides what happens next in my life. And if he's not, then you're the king or queen, ladies. And you get to decide what happens next. Do you know why we're crazy about this uh, process of producing leaders around here? Because we really want everyone to get to the point in their life where they realize Jesus really is my king. He really is my Lord. And from that moment forward, I no longer live my life after what I can get and my glory and all of my good. I'm now living my life for Jesus's glory. Meaning, I don't want people to say great things about me or to hear good things about me. I want people to hear great things about Jesus. My goal for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus is to make Jesus famous. And John the Baptist says the only way that's possible is by me becoming less important so that people can start to see that Jesus is more important. When you start to live your life for Jesus' glory, Instead of your own glory, you're now on the path to becoming a powerful leader in somebody else's life. Just an influence over somebody else who says, man, I see what she's got and I really want that. Or I'm watching the way that this guy is living and he's different than other people. And I think I want what this guy has. I don't even know what it is, but I think I want what this guy has. Jesus is putting everybody in the crowd on the spot when he stands up and declares, I am the living water. And if you come to me, and only to me, I'm going to send you my spirit. And my spirit's going to satisfy you at your deepest desires. And by the way, after my spirit starts to satisfy you, all that you're going to want is for more people to experience what you've experienced. This is what 
the crowd is being challenged with, and this is what every single person listening to my voice today is being challenged with, the exact same thing. Do you declare Jesus as Messiah? Is he king or not? And if he is, then you and I live for his glory, not for our own. And the crowd recognizes the challenge in front of them. And you don't get a chance to ride the fence on this. But here's the thing. The religious leaders also recognize it. And they are highly threatened by what's going on. And so they're going to try to control the crowd and control the country by controlling the rules that people live by. So listen to how John chapter 7 ends when the religious leaders step in and do whatever they can to stop people from following Jesus so that the people will follow them instead of Jesus. You see, these religious leaders are trying to set rules that only the Holy Spirit should set in your life. No other man, no other woman, not even you, should set the kind of rules over your life that the Holy Spirit sets. And these religious leaders, let's just be honest, y'all, are playing God today. Here's how John chapter 7 ends. Then the servants came back to the chief priest. Now, I need to mention, a couple of weeks ago, the high priest and the religious leaders were so threatened by Jesus that they sent out temple guards. It says servants, but they're really the temple police force to go capture Jesus and to shut this rabbi down before anybody else starts to follow him. The temple police go out to chase after Jesus, and now they're going to come back And the religious leaders are not happy by what happens next. Then the servants came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him back? Like we sent you out to go capture Jesus and bring him back in handcuffs. Where is he? And then the servants answered, "Uh, we listened to his message and no man has ever spoke like this man. And then that caused the Pharisees to just lose it. Then the Pharisees responded to their own servants, their own temple police. Are you fooled also? Have you or or have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Like they're going to throw their weight around here now. But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Pause. We're going to talk about Nicodemus in just a second. The religious leaders show up and they've got a mission and your mission is to go arrest Jesus and bring him back in handcuffs. They go listen to Jesus and they decide, "Mm, I ain't arresting that guy. Now, I'm going to be in big trouble with my boss when I go back and tell him, but I've heard what he has to say. And based on what I've heard, that rabbi is different. And if he has half the power that his messages sound like he has, I'm not touching him with a 10 foot pole. And so the servants go back to the religious leaders. The religious leaders are going to try to control their own servants. They're going to try to control the crowds. They basically tell the servants, you guys are a bunch of morons because you're listening to Jesus' message. We're the smart people here. Why don't you listen to us instead of listening to Jesus? And then they bring the crowds in. And they say, hey, the crowds that are listening to and believing in Jesus are accursed. If you don't understand that phrase, it literally means we have pronounced judgment and they're on their way to hell for believing in Jesus. These religious leaders have declared themselves judges over, get this, God himself. 
And they're announcing anybody who disagrees with us is a moron or accursed and on your way to hell. And there's a religious leader in the crowd. Now, they use the language like, look, all of us Pharisees agree that this guy can't be the son of God. Well, that's not true. Because there's one Pharisee in the crowd who's already had a very intimate, very personal conversation with Jesus back in chapter 3. And apparently, that conversation radically changed a brother by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus previously and who was one of the Pharisees, said to them, uh, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? Nicodemus is going to try a judicial move here to get Jesus off of the hook. Hey, listen, we can't pronounce judgment without hearing it from the brother personally, and we haven't heard it from the brother as a group of judges personally, so how can we sit back and judge something that we haven't heard personally? And the religious leaders are going to try so hard to set the rules that they're going to shut Nicodemus, one of their own, down now. They say to Nicodemus, you aren't from Galilee too, are you? In other words, you're not one of his boys, are you, Nicodemus? They replied, investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. They are reading the Bible in such a way that if somebody doesn't line up with the way that they interpret the Bible, then it can't possibly be true. These religious leaders will do anything, stop at nothing to control the crowds. And let's just be honest. There are priests, there are pastors, there are church leaders just like that today who want to call the shots in your life. And I need you to hear it from me firsthand. I will never, ever step into that role. Because that's a role that only the Holy Spirit of the living God can play. I don't have the authority, and I would be terrified if God did give me the kind of authority to try to set rules over your life, like these Pharisees are trying to set rules over the life of people. Last Sunday, if you tuned in and if you listened to our message last week, I tried to tell you what it feels like to live free. And here's what I said. You don't have to listen to those religious leaders anymore. You don't have to be hurt by, their super, by those super judgmental, hypercritical hypocrites that like to tell you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Now, I need to give you the rest of the story. Here's why, church. You don't have to listen to those voices anymore. Because if you get up in the morning and you open the word and you start to spend time with your Father in heaven, if you get on your knees, and by the way, that's figurative, not literal, but you can get on your knees literally if you want, and you start to talk to Jesus and spend time praying to Jesus, if you are hearing from the Holy Spirit of the living God, then don't listen to any other man or any other woman. Don't let their voice become louder than the Holy Spirit's voice. He sets the rules in your life. He sets the rules for this church. I don't. I don't even set the rules over my own life. I wouldn't dare try to set rules over your life. That's a role that only the Holy Spirit of the living God can make. You see, for us Christians, we should be willing to live so bold and so different 
that other people stand up and take notice. And what they notice about us is we're free. We're free from all of that guilt. We're free from all of that shame. I don't have to listen to other people giving me instructions on what they think I should and shouldn't do. And the reason I don't have to listen is because I'm already listening to the Holy Spirit. And that voice is supposed to drown out all the other voices in your life. So I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you right here, right where you are. When Jesus jumped up in front of that crowd, he did it in such a way that nobody could walk away and ignore him. In that day, everyone in the crowd had to decide, I really do believe this is the one that we've been waiting for, the promised son of God, the king over Israel for all generations, or I don't believe that he is. And what Jesus is challenging people today is the exact same thing. He's placing us on the spot and he's challenging us about what what we believe. And that belief will change everything about your life. Maybe your soul has never been set free. Maybe the spirit has never moved in and taken control of your soul. And maybe what you need right here, the first thing on the screen is for Jesus to set your soul free from your sin and from your shame for the first time. In just a second, I want to pray for you. But for other people, Christians who have been following Jesus, but they've become spiritually dry, maybe you've been looking to satisfaction from outside of you, hoping that a 4.0 GPA or a lot of followers on social media or that new car or new clothes is really going to fill me up. And the truth is, it's going to maybe make a difference for a moment, and then it's going to let you down again. Jesus says, I'm going to fill you up from the inside. Just like I promised that promiscuous woman at the well when he said to her, I'm going to give you the kind of water that will never leave you thirsty again. I'm going to give you living water. Well, what Jesus says today is, I'm not just going to give you living water, but it's going to come from a well inside of you. You don't ever have to look outside again to be satisfied. And maybe you've been looking outside, and maybe that's the reason you've been dry lately. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. But for others who have been trying to find success, and achievement, and respect, anywhere outside of Jesus, that thing is going to let you down. And here's why. God designed human beings to have a hole in our soul that can only be satisfied by him. And then Jesus says, when I leave, I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to fill that hole up entirely and completely. The deepest recesses of your soul will be satisfied, but only I can satisfy that. And if you've been looking for satisfaction, if you've been thirsty, and you've been trying to quench that thirst apart from Jesus, it's going to let you down. So I just want to pray for my soul. I want to pray for your soul right now, that we would just get real serious about where we are with Jesus in this moment. So let's pray together. Father, I want to pray for somebody who's listening to this broadcast and who has known Jesus. Maybe they've even bowed their knees and declared that he is king a long time ago. But then they started to look outside of their relationship with Jesus for their identity, for their satisfaction. 
to be filled up and for something to be quenched inside of them. And the more that they look, the more that they long for something that's, that's missing. And so, God, I'm praying for your son. I'm praying for your daughter who has ran away like the prodigal son and who has gone and chased after everything that this world has to offer. And at the end, it's all left them wanting more. God, would you draw them back to yourself? But when they come back to you right now, would you remind them that just like the father in this parable, they don't have to be ashamed. They don't have to be um, sad because you are longing for and wanting them to come back to you and enter back into this intimate relationship. So please, God, would you speak to somebody right now and tell them, don't let shame, don't let your sins, don't let your mistakes And the sadness holds you back. Jesus is longing for you to come back, and he wants to clean you up. And God, maybe if they would find satisfaction, their soul would be quenched again for the first, again like it was quenched for the first time. But God, I would be embarrassed to stand up here and to declare your gospel and not give somebody watching this broadcast a chance to be changed for the first time. Because maybe it's no coincidence that they started listening to this and maybe they're realizing I have been deeply thirsty at the soul level all of my life and I've tried everything. Like the book of Ecclesiastes describes it, everything under the sun and it's all left me wanting more. And I realize today, I think I see it for the first time today, God, I have been looking for you, but I've been trying to find it in other things. And God, I have a soul that is dirty and stained with sin. And I don't even deserve to be called your son or your daughter. But I'm coming to you today and I am pleading the blood of Jesus. And I'm asking you, would you clean me up? Would you change me? Because I believe you love me so much that not only did you send your son Jesus to declare his lordship and to rule over my life, you sent him as a sacrifice to give up his life in exchange for mine. And God, what I'm offering today is my soul, my life, my future, a life for a life. Jesus gave his life up for me, and now I'm giving my life back to you. And I'm saying, God, would you forgive me? God, would you change me? God, would you make me into a new man or a new woman because I'm sick of living this lifestyle. And Father, I believe that if people hear from you or if people are sincere with you, you will hear that prayer from heaven and that you'll respond and you'll change somebody. And God, would you help me as a Christian and other Christians that are listening to this broadcast keep coming to you hungry and longing for more, and your spirit will continually satisfy us and quench that desire inside of us because your spirit is inside of us, ministering to us and meeting that need from the inside out so we don't ever have to look for it from outside us. God, speak to your people now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.